You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 120, What to Do with a Bedwetter. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. And a welcome to you once again, joining me on a weekly basis. It's really good to spend this time with you. Bet you didn't see that title coming, did you? <laughs> Probably thinking about, well, we're going to talk about the hypostatic union. We're going to talk about original justice. We're going to talk about how to read the Bible. No, we're going to talk about what to do with a bedwetter. Now, you're probably asking, why would you talk about a show like that, you know, a topic like that? Why, why are you doing that? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, uh, I have been speaking now since I'm 61, and um, I'll be 62 in November, and I have been speaking since I was 18 years old about Jesus around the country in churches. I was a pastor for a while, and there has been uh, a number of topics that I have you know, talked about, but this one, when I shared a story with people that came from my own life, I found that it helped them out so much and that so many people were struggling in their families. You got it with a bedwetter. And I found in my own life that this problem of growing up in my life, and I'm just going to tell you now, I was a bedwetter. I'll get into that in a little bit. I know you're dying to hear it. Uh, it, it defined me for quite a while. And uh, I want I want to share with you some things that uh, you can avoid making mistakes if you have bedwetters. Uh, you can bring the gospel to this topic, uh, and you're not going you're just not going to find a lot of podcasts on bedwetting, you know, from a Catholic perspective. <laughs> so I hope that it is a um, it's a uh, you know a, a benefit. You know, I mean, one in four boys struggle with this after all. So we're gonna hit we're gonna hit you at one one way or, or another. Hey, I want to thank you for uh, all of your email. Again, if you want show notes, you can simply write me at the Jeff Caven Show. That's the Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. And we do have some amazing trips coming up. We have uh, uh, two trips to Israel coming up in January. You can get information. Uh, my website, jeffcavens.com, under pilgrimages. And then the big one, the big, big, big one coming up is a trip with uh, Father Mike Schmitz and myself. We're going to be leading a young adult trip to the Holy Land in June of 2020. We're going to talk about 2020 vision, getting a hold of where God is leading you in your life. And if you are a young adult, please go there. You can get your place held right now and pay later. And I just want to let you know about it. We've got some amazing singers with Taylor Tripodi. And we have Ali Aliyah, we have Brother Isaiah. Any one of those on their own uh, would be an incredible concert. We got all three. Now, we're going to have a, a really cool concerts in Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee, and in Jerusalem. It's, it's going to be, it's, I mean, it's epic. So get the word out there, if you will. Just send it out to all your people saying, hey, uh, get a hold of this, the trip in 2020 with Father Mike Schmitz and Jeff Cavins. It's going to be it's going to be outstanding, I got to tell you that. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about bedwetting, shall, shall we? I know you wanted to talk about it, and uh, of course I do too. You know, when I was growing up, I had a private problem, and I, I have spoken about this before, but I had a, a private problem that only my mother knew and my sister and my dad, and um, 
And then later, my, my other sister, my younger sister, she's 10 years younger than me. It, this was really a family secret, and, and they didn't go out and tell anybody else, but it was a struggle for me. I, I had a, a problem, and I wet the bed every night. And when I say every night, I am not exaggerating to you. I was good at this. I mean, I, I didn't even miss a night. I didn't even miss one single night. And I can still remember, like it was yesterday, waking up at 3.30, 4 in the morning and realizing I am wetting the bed at this moment. And there, there came a point, you know, where um, after you do that for one year, two year, three year, four, five, six, seven years, you, you, you get to a point where you almost don't even care anymore. You say, okay, well, that's life. You know, I'm wetting the bed. I'll deal with it in the morning. Or more accurately, my mother will deal with it in the morning. Well, I had a pattern in my life back then, and I, I didn't stop wetting the bed until I was in eighth grade. And um, and this, this brought up some real difficulties for me on how to navigate life as a young man. And when you are in junior high, when you're in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, you're really at a place where you're very impressionable and you you want people to like you. You you want to be considered cool, you know? And and honestly, I can't think of anything that is less cool than wetting your bed in seventh grade. And so this was something that was on my mind constantly. And uh, back then, and I don't know how how uh, frequent it is today exactly, but back then we would stay over at each other's house. You know, friends would invite a couple friends over and they'd stay overnight and and uh, you know, listen to music and so forth. And so when I was between fifth and eighth grade, I was invited over to my friend Mark's house and Gary's house and um, you know some uh, some of the other some you know some of the other Brian's house and and when I would go over there, uh, I I was always I always had this on my on my mind because if I went to sleep, I would I would wet my bed, and. Uh, I remember going over to Mark's house. He just lived a couple houses away. And I brought with me not only my pillow and a sleeping bag, but I brought a Hardy Boy book. And at the end of the night, when everybody fell asleep and we all had our sleeping bags, I had to pretend that I went to sleep. And then when everyone was asleep and it seemed safe and secure, I got up with my Hardy Boy mystery book and I went out into the hallway and I stood and paced the, the hallway reading all night. Because if I fell asleep, even in the hallway, I would have wet the hall. <laughs> that didn't cool either. So I would read all night, and then in the morning I would get back in my sleeping bag and I would fake waking up as the other of my friends woke up. That was my life. That was my pattern. And, and I remember one time visiting my grandmother's house, and she had a beautiful, almost a silk white couch. And it was in the middle of the afternoon, and I, I was so tired, you know, and uh, I laid down and... I went to sleep, and you can imagine, you can imagine what happened. I peed on my grandmother's beautiful couch, and was she mad? Was she angry? And so I started to realize that my problem brought anger to people, and I felt very, very inadequate. And, you know, some some kids that, that, that go through this, they hear different responses from their parents all the way from, you know, you did it again, to... Uh, some kids heard the words, what's wrong with you? Every morning, what's wrong with you, Jeff? What's wrong with you, Peter? What's wrong with you, Susan? What's wrong with you, Deborah? What's wrong with you, Larry? And the answer is, I don't 
know. I don't know. But I do know there's something wrong with me. And that has a powerful impact on children, you know? A very, very powerful, powerful impact. Well, it all came to a head for me in sixth grade when uh, we were in sixth grade and and I had a problem, you know, if I had to go to the bathroom, I had to go to the bathroom. I, yeah, See, you had no idea you are going to hear this today. Driving down the highway, minding your own business, wanting to be encouraged in the faith, and here I am venting about how I wet the bed. Well, anyway, I was in sixth grade, and we had a, a big assembly where we had a friend of Helen Keller's, and she was blind, she was deaf, and she couldn't speak. It was one of her friends. And she had this unusual tactile method of communicating to people uh, on somebody else's hands, and then that person would, re- would, would relay to us what she was saying. Well, I was sitting in the middle of the auditorium at Hubert Olson Elementary School in Bloomington, Minnesota, and right in front of me was the woman that I thought, girl, I thought that I would marry someday, Janice. And, and uh, I was sitting behind her doing things that really do pull on the strings of young girls, like pull their hair and stuff like that. And suddenly I had to go to the bathroom. And if back then, if I had to go to the bathroom, I better get to one quick, you know, whether we're on vacation or whatever it might be. I raised my hand and the teacher came walking through the crowd, you know, kind of daintily and between legs and arms and everything else. And she said, yes, Jeff. And I said, Mrs. So-and-so, I've got to go to the bathroom. And she looked at me and she said, not knowing my personal problem that nobody knew about, oh, she said, you can wait a few minutes. We're almost done. I said, okay. And she went back and there I was stuck with this problem. And the problem started getting worse and I didn't think I could hold it anymore. You know, I, I would run, you know that I would run home after school every day. You know why I ran home so fast every single day after school? and ended up becoming quite a sprinter (laughs) is because I wanted to make sure my mother had changed my sheets before my friends came over. Well, that day in the auditorium, I I felt like, I don't know if I can wait. I don't know if I can wait. My legs start shaking. My sides started hurting. I was sweating. And then all of a sudden, I wet my pants. And one problem was done with, but a whole other problem I was sitting on, and that problem was inching towards Janice. And I literally cried out in my heart, oh, God, no, please, please, no, no. It's bad enough to wet your pants in an auditorium, but for you to wet your pants and it to hit the girl that you love, no, this is not happening. And right before it hit Janice, we were dismissed and everybody got up and went out in the hall. And we had a uh, kind of a rule back then at Hubert Olson, and that is everybody had to be lined up on the edges of their hall, of the hall before they went into their rooms. And there, everybody had left except me sitting in the middle of the auditorium with my legs crossed. And I had light brown Levi's uh, that day, corduroy Levi's. Now they were two-toned. I was sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? And the kids started yelling, Cavens, come on, come on. And I thought, here goes. And I stood up, and I was so wet. And I was so ashamed and so embarrassed. And I started walking towards the door, and I heard those words and the laughter, Cavens wet his pants. And I ran through the gauntlet of that, those kids in that hallway, and I ran through. They tripped me. They kicked me. They laughed. I was stumbling through the hallway, And even to today, that touches my heart 
as a little boy, so humiliated, I ran out the front room of the school about a mile and a half home in the middle of winter, chafed at the thighs, running into my house crying, and my mother said, what happened? What happened? And I said, I wet my pants. And I told her I would never go back to the school. Now, three days later, I did, and I had to face the music. Shortly after that, my mom brought me to the doctor, and the doctor said to me something really simple. And this might be a revelation to you, but you know what the doctor told me? He thought I had some kind of muscle problem. He didn't think it was a psychological problem, that I was crazy, or I was just a sick person, or just uh, something was wrong. He said, I want you to do this. He said, when you have to go to the bathroom in the future, I want you to start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Can I tell you something? Three days later, I never wet the bed again. The problem was very simple for me, but I didn't know it. And my mom didn't know it. And it led to all kinds of thoughts of, there's something terrible about me. There's something that is despicable, something unwanting about me. And I had a muscle problem. It wasn't that I wanted to wet the bed. It wasn't that I wanted my mother to do more work. It wasn't that I was drawing attention in any way. No, it was much more painful than that. But the solution for me was quite simple. Now, if you go on the internet today, you're going to see all kinds of different things, you know. A couple of them my mother tried, you know, alarm systems. You wet the bed and alarm goes off. Yay. (laughs) All that did for me is it told me I did it. Didn't uh, wake me up in time or anything like that. But you can look at, I was looking on the, on the web, actually, in preparation uh, for this show, and you got the Rogers Wireless Bedwetting Alarm. They got the Malum Alarm. That's another one. And then they've got the Clippo Bedwetting Alarm. That's only 59 So between 59 and 129 you can get alarms. You can get other counseling and psychotherapy and all that. Whatever it, whatever it takes, that's good. But I, I want to I share with you just some guidelines on, on how to work with a young boy. How to work with a young girl that feels broken, that feels dirty, that feels that nobody will want them because they wet the bed. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash ascension presents. That's youtube.com slash ascension presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And welcome back. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I never dreamt, Jeff, that you would talk about this on a podcast. But you know what? I don't care because uh, when I'm weak, I'm strong in Christ and those things that I have gone through, I can share with others, and they can be strong themselves and, and share with, with, their, uh, with their families. So what do I recommend, you know? And I'm not going to get into the psychotherapy and all that type of thing. That's, those are things you're going to have to make a decision about. But I can give you some, some practical things to do as a, as a Catholic mom and dad when you have family and you have sons or daughters or grandkids that are over and something like that happens. Your response to them can have... Uh, uh, years of effect. It really can. And when they're in uh, ninth grade or 10th grade, they'll still carry with that with them that thought of there's something wrong, something 
wrong with me? So what can you do as a parent? Well, number one, let me give you, let me give you five things here, shall I? I'll give you five things, and I will put these, uh, by the way, in the show notes for you so that uh, uh, you can take them with you and you don't have to pull over on the side of the road. Only one thing worse than wetting your pants is getting into an accident, so don't do that. So number one, here's what I would say. If you have kids that are struggling with this, and this can go all the way into, into high school from what I've heard. I've heard a lot of different stories of people who have come to me and said, boy, I struggled with that as well. Number one, be patient. Be patient with your children. Uh, it is a difficult time. It's hard to, to wash those sheets every single day. You feel inconvenienced, I know. But be patient. This is not a world crisis. This is not a game-changing event that you cannot cope with. You need to establish an atmosphere of calm, an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of tolerance. Be patient with them. Do not act like this is the end of the world, because every day will be a drama for them, and it will compile after a while. Love covers a multitude of sins. So I really in, in, in encourage you to be patient. And, and to be patient, you know, is to, um, is to endure trials like this uh, as, as a parent. And the way that you treat them will probably be the way they treat their children someday, because this, the, the studies do show that a good percentage of children who wet the bed, it's hereditary. And boys uh, outdo the girls here by <laughs> a little bit of a long shot there. But be patient with them and, and let them know that you, that, that you are patient with them, just with your, your attitude and the words that you say. Number two, I would encourage you, realize that their self-identity as a young girl, as a young boy, which both want to be loved and cherished and thought of as valuable and, and desirable, their self-identity is in the balance. And it's more important, their self-identity as a son, as a daughter of God, is more important than your convenience. Let me say that again, and I know that needs to be said and a lot of people need to hear that, is that their self-identity, who they are, is more important than your convenience or inconvenience. So when you, when you have children or grandchildren who, who, wet, who wet the bed, you need to constantly be reminding yourself that, that this, is, this is their self-identity that is on the line here, and you're going to help them, and you are going to get through it. And I don't know of anybody who hasn't gotten through it, right? I mean... Uh, you might be thinking, Jeff, do you still wet the bed? Well, for old time's sake. No, I don't. I, I, I told you that it was cured, you know, with the doctor just giving me some advice. Number three, love them and affirm them as sons and daughters of God. That is very, very powerful. Love them and affirm them. This is separate from wetting the bed. You're not loving them and affirming them because they wet the bed. You're loving them and you're affirming them in even despite this, that primarily they are sons and daughters of God with a future ahead of them that is amazing. God loves them. The first part of the kerygma, God loves them and has an amazing plan for their life. That's what we have to keep saying. And this will end. This will end. I'm going to be with you through this. We're going to figure this out, but I love you 
so deeply, and I affirm you. You are beautiful. You're a handsome young man of God, and God has an amazing story up ahead for you. So love them and affirm them. Number four, I think, is really, really important, and and that is to to make sure that that they know that they are not defined by this. They're not defined by this. When this happened to me in sixth grade, I kid you not, I told my parents, no one will ever marry me. Now, you kind of laugh at that now, you know, Uh, but in sixth grade, it's real. Nobody will ever marry me. And I, you know, even when I met Emily and I was 18 and she was 17, I almost felt at that point, like, I need to reveal this, that you're marrying a former bedwetter, you know, because I felt defined by it. But you're not defined by this. And this this so defined me growing up of the private wedding of the bed and then wedding my pants in front of everybody in the school that I didn't think I was going to get a job. And I didn't think anybody would ever find me desirable or want to marry me because I, I did this. And um, that was really, really serious at the time. But this is an opportunity for Christ to shine in your child's life, that God wants to do something in your child's life. Let me, let me explain to you what I'm talking about here. Do you remember the story in John chapter 9? This was at the Pool of Siloam, which is at the southern end of the uh, city of David in Jerusalem. I take people there every time. We'll go there in January. It says, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that that, that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, notice what they said in the story. They, they, this man is born blind, and their immediate you know, jump to, their immediate conclusion is that he did something wrong or his parents did something wrong. Now, just slip me into that story or slip your loved one into that story or you into that story and say that, um, uh, you know, here, and he passed by and he saw a seventh grader who wet his pants and wet the bed every night. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he wets his bed every night? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, let me tell you something kind of interesting. As every year that I go to Israel and I teach at the Pool of Siloam, I tell this story. Because I never dreamt that I would ever stand up and talk about this. But at the weakest point of my growing up, it became a point where God could display his power to overcome and to define me by my relationship with him rather than wetting the bed. 
This became big. Do you know, I was probably, oh, I guess 30 years old, and I was a young pastor, and I started to tell this story to my, to my congregation, and I got to the point where I was at the school, and this happened. And you know what happened? I couldn't, couldn't say it. It so choked me up at 30 years old, I couldn't even get it out of my mouth. And I realized at 30 years old, I had been defined by this. And it has been since then that I have been free. And I can talk about it today, and I can encourage other people, and the works of God can be displayed in my life. Remember, let them know they are not defined by this. But God always will do something great in what we perceive as some kind of stigma, some kind of, of a problem in our life. Maybe you didn't wet the bed. Maybe you had some impediment in your life that people teased you about. You're not defined by that. You're defined by the blood of the Lamb and the relationship between you and Jesus. Number five, offer up your inconvenience to the Lord. If you feel like you're suffering because you're changing sheets every day and washing every day, and you've gone to the doctor and you went to a counselor and everything else, and there doesn't seem to be a solution, and you think to yourself, why is this happening? Do what Paul said in Colossians 1.24. I'll put it in the show notes for you, along with that John 9 paragraph. He, what, did, what did Paul say? He said, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and I fill up in my body that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And so if you feel like you're struggling and you're suffering because of what's happening in your kid's life and your grandchildren's life, offer it up. Offer up your inconvenience. Offer up your suffering. Offer up your, your doubt or your blaming yourself for what's happening or your, your gene pool or whatever. Offer it up. And allow the Lord to take this and to use it in an amazing way. You see that in your suffering, you have a coin that can purchase what cannot be bought. Offer this up for your son. Offer it up for your daughter. And rejoice when you do the laundry. Rejoice that you have that beautiful son. You have that beautiful daughter. You have those grandkids, and you, you pray for them. You're not burdened. You're not bothered. You've been given an opportunity to love them. You really have. Now let's bring this all to sort of an end. I want you to know that I know that Maybe you didn't wet the bed. Maybe you never had it, you know, something like that happen where you wet your pants in front of your future wife in sixth grade. <laughs> I'd like to know where she is today. That'd be kind of a funny story to go over. But you might have had something else happen in your life. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was your weight. Maybe it was acne. Maybe it was a, a physical disability. Maybe you're dyslexic growing up, whatever it is that seemed to be similar to this, this young man in John chapter 9, born blind, know this, it isn't that you sinned or your parents, but that the works of God would be displayed in you. Do not be afraid of being vulnerable and allowing people to know that you are weak and that you are turning to the Lord, and he can do something with this. Don't run away from the very thing that could be the light that shines in everybody else's life. When I was in junior high, and then four years later, at the end of my senior year in high school, and I was searching for God, hungry for God, discouraged, 
struggling with anxiety at times and being depressed, and I searched and I cried out to God. And I imagine the angel said to Jesus, look at that guy down there, the bedwetter. <laughs> what are you going to do with him? And Jesus said, you just watch. I'm going to get him a TV show. He's going to tell everybody what I did and how I changed his life. Don't ever run from what you perceive as a weakness, but do go to Christ. And he can make this into a great door of hope and an opportunity in your life. Let me know how this show has impacted you. Let me know what's happening in your life. My email is thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. I'd like to pray with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up to you now, my my friend, and maybe we have this in common, Lord, that we have uh, something that has seemed to have defined us in a very negative way. But you came to redefine our life and our relationship, and Lord, we cling to you and ask you, Lord, to cleanse our minds and renew us with right thinking about who we are. And those things, Lord, that are secret, that have been wounds, we give to you now. We ask you to use it in a powerful way for your glory, for we know that these things in our life perhaps have come as a, as a result of, of whatever, but that the, your work can be displayed in the midst of it. And so we, we freely and unashamedly give them to you, and we ask you to do something with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. We ask for the intercession of our, our mother who really understands us is praying for us and is at the foot of this cross that we face. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you, and I'm asking you to pray for me, and I'll, I'll continue to pray for you. <laughs>